We've got some good things planned for you today. And as I said, I'm going to be talking about this idea of do-over. We, Christmas is in the rearview mirror, right? And that if you had a good Christmas, you are like dog-tired today, right? Because you do Christmas like five times with different family members and different people coming to town and staying up late and having dinners and preparing for dinners and all of those types of things. And people love to do uh, things that, that they will remember, things that are romantic in their life. And we had one of our staff at Life Church do just that this Christmas. Carly Dassel got engaged over Christmas. We want to say congratulations to you. And as we move toward New Year's Day, it's the same type of thing. People want to do something that changes their life, that they remember, that has a positive vibe to it. They set up these um, uh, romantic getaways or get engaged or, or want to lose weight, but let's leave me out of the situation here this morning. Um, so I, we... We're not that way at, at New Year's. Usually, Kristen and I, I got to tell you, we are the biggest New Year's Eve duds in history. Like, 9 o'clock, we're whipped after all the holidays, right? We're like, we can go to bed and sleep in tomorrow. We might stay awake to watch the ball drop in New York, but not anything that happens in Chicago, because that's an hour later, you know. And, and, but last year, I broke the mold. I, I planned this trip, and I, I told her, I got a surprise for you. And, and I jumped on the bandwagon of people who want to do something memorable as they move toward New Year's and celebrate New Year's Eve. And so I booked a hotel downtown Chicago, right where all the action is, not far from Navy Pier. And I surprised her with this. And so we were in downtown Chicago. It ended up being freezing we were way underdressed, frozen the whole time. But at 11 o'clock, we walked down to the river and, and we're, we're down there with thousands of other people. And on each of the bridges downtown, they had boats come in, large boats, and they set off the fireworks. And so it was an incredible experience. It was very romantic. I mean, she's cold. I might have used that to my advantage slightly. And, you know, I'll, I'll be your knight in shining armor and all that kind of jazz. I did not offer her my coat. But anyway, it was just great. It was so romantic. And I will tell you that I gained some real brownie points by thinking of that on my own. So, guys, uh, just in case you're not really paying attention this morning, I would highly recommend at least once in a while coming up with an idea like that on your own. And all the ladies said, amen, absolutely. Come up with some ideas like that. But we gravitate to the opportunity for a fresh start in difficult areas of our lives. Maybe we need to change careers. Maybe you want to quote unquote be a better person. Maybe you want to lose weight. Maybe you're going to start exercising. 
any of those things people seem to want to do at the new year. And we love the idea that we can start over. So with the idea of having a do-over in mind, I want to read Philippians 3, 13 and 14. It says this, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Some of us in this room have had a horrible 2019 in one way or another. I had a man that I led to faith in Christ a couple years ago call me yesterday, and, and he lives in another city where I pastored, and, and he called me and he said, I'm just calling to say thank you. I had the worst year business-wise of my adult career, and yet it was the greatest year of growth in my life. And it's all because of what God led me to through you, right? That was an awesome moment. And of course, I directed him to the Lord because all I was was a tool. And we talked about all of these great things that happened in his life. And he, over the years, he said, there have been so many mistakes that I've made, but now I understand grace. And I can forget all of those things and look forward to the future. And I heard one amen, so one person in here at least agrees with how great that is. Do you understand what that means? You can forget the past. How many people are embarrassed for something that you have done, maybe even as a believer, right? I know I am. And we can forget those things and look at what Christ has done for us and look forward to all of the great things in God that he has in store for us. It says we press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. We have this opportunity that not everyone shares in. We covered last week and the week before a little bit the fact that that the gift is offered for all, but not everyone receives it. But if you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have this incredible future to look forward to in heaven. But as my friend who called me yesterday illustrates, it will change your world here as well. And it's so great that we get to live this way. But yet sometimes we just need to be free of our past mistakes. There are times in all of our lives where we need a do-over. A couple of moments in my recent history where I've needed a do-over. Three years ago, Thanksgiving, we were having our big family football game, right? Cousins, son-in-laws. You get to work some things out with some people uh, when you're out there playing that. And so a lot of fun, and we take it seriously. Like we wear cleats, okay? Who, who, who does that? Or spikes? Who, you know, what family does that? But we all want to win this thing, right? So I was all-time quarterback for quite a while for both teams, and I had nine touchdowns to three interceptions, and it's so fitting that my brother Mark is here today because I threw one of those three interceptions at a key time for his team, and he starts talking trash to me, and he's like, come on, you're terrible. And I said, nine touchdowns, three interceptions. 
I'm like Aaron Rodgers here, you know? And so then we switched. We all rotated. Mark ends up as the quarterback. And, and as the other team, he's quarterbacking for them. At the time, he had two touchdowns to two interceptions. Now, I'm not real good at math, but nine to three versus two to two is, you know, there's some disparity there. And so he was marching them down the field, and he threw a bomb from about half field into the end zone, about what we were using for a 50-yard line. And he threw a bomb to one of my nephews in the end zone, And I was on a dead run, looking back this way, and the ball came over here, and I intercepted it. And I'm like, I cannot wait to tell him now he's three interceptions to two touchdowns. He must really stink. And I was really going to talk trash and all this stuff. And I turned around, and I saw that only one of my nephews was between me and the other end zone. So I'm going to run this interception all the way back and not only intercept and and make him have more interceptions than touchdowns, I was going to rub it in his face. And and so I was going to take it all the way back. I thought, my little nephew, he's 16, whatever he is, I can out juke this kid, you know, he's standing there. So I'm running full speed, okay? And I went to make a move. And I turned to my right, my cleat caught in the ground and drove my right shoulder, just, it tore it all up. I mean, I was, had very extensive surgery. I landed on the football and I thought of the verse. I mean, I'm, I'm dying here, right? And I thought of the verse, pride comes before the fall. And literally in my life, that verse became a reality. So now I went from getting to trash talk my brother to him defending me against my nephews when they were laughing. And he's like, hey, knock it off. Dan's really hurt, you know. So I owe you one there, Mark, but I did not have good intentions uh, in my heart whatsoever. So we all need these do-overs sometimes. If I could have that moment back, I would have been humble. I I only would have said a couple things to him if I didn't try and run it back, like you stink or get surgery on your arm or whatever it is. And all of that came back to me. So, you know, we all have some broken areas in our lives. And most of the time we need a do-over, the situation comes out of one of those times in our lives. One of my greatest needs for a do-over was when my daughter was a little over a year old. And I was watching her that night. Kristen, I think, was at a ladies' meeting or music practice. So it was my job to feed her, to... um, change her, get her a bath, get her ready for bed, have her sleeping by the time mom gets home. And can I just put in a shameless plug for parenting? Just want some of you younger guys who may have young children or don't have them yet, but will. When you stay home with your own child, you ain't babysitting. You're being dad. Never use the term 
I got to babysit. I'd love to go ice fishing. I'd love to do whatever, but I got to babysit. No, you don't. You got to be a dad. You know they pay babysitters? And as a dad, you pay. No, that's for real. You pay with your life. I want to be the same kind of grandpa. I want to be fully invested. I want to make sure that my granddaughter, Ellie, gets Jesus from my life and love. So anyway, moving on. We all need these do-overs. And so after I got everything done, she's in the tub, and I said to myself, this little girl's hair looks hideous. I can't take her to church this weekend looking like this, so I'm going to cut her hair. Yeah, it was a great idea. What are you moaning about? It, I'm a helpful dad. So I went and got my clippers, and obviously I have extensive experience with cutting hair very short. So I went and got my clippers, and I came back in, and I cut that kid's bangs way up high and straight across, went around her ear with the clippers and, and put her to bed. And I'm, I'm like... I am a rock star dad. I just cut my kid's hair. So when my wife got home and we were getting ready for bed, I said, oh, by the way, I cut Morgan's hair tonight. She <laughs> emotionally came unglued a little bit. Okay, lots of tears and all this. Guy. You didn't. I was waiting for the right day to take her to, who knew that, guys, don't ever cut your kid's hair. You will, at, at a young age, be, their first haircut is what I mean. You will want a do-over. Do you know that women care about that first haircut? They want to take them to the salon. No kidding. They want to take this kid with janky hair all over, and they want to have a salon person cut it and put a bow in it. And furthermore, they want to get pictures of what's going on. I couldn't believe that my excellent parenting was treated with tears and emotional stuff, right? I needed a do-over. We all make mistakes. We don't think of, of so many things in our lives. And as I said a lot of what we deal with, it comes from these areas of our lives where we either don't think about it, or on the other hand, we do. Both of my do-overs started with a moment in time, or my need for a do-over, started in a moment in time when a thought came into my mind. The one in football was pride. The one in Cutting my daughter's hair was stupidity. But they both started with a thought. One came from my inexperience and one came from my sin that was still affecting my life in pride. And we all have this, this stuff that happens in our lives, but, but I want to talk to you about how to have fewer do-overs, how to need fewer do-overs how to be able to let go of the past and sometimes not even create the past that you went on to create. Proverbs 4.23 says this, 
Guard your thoughts because they are the source of life. Guard your thoughts. They're the source of your life. Be careful what you think because your life is shaped by your thoughts. And even as Christ followers, we have these areas of fear, anger, pride, hurt, grief, lust, selfishness. We make judgments about others because what we see them do and the things that are in our mind are far worse than we, what we judge someone else for doing. Moses said, don't commit adultery. What did Jesus say? Don't even think it in your mind. That's powerful. I, I lost my cool one day with my wife. I was ungodly. I should have been spanked. I mean, it was, I was way out of line. And I said, I'm sorry I said those things to you. And she had kept her cool through the whole thing. And she said, you didn't say anything I wasn't thinking. Was my heart any better? Our thoughts lead us to so many problems in our lives. And some of our greatest need for a do-over comes from those broken places in our heart. And you know this, but life or our mind, I should say, it's not like a great giant whiteboard. Like when, when I was teaching our staff previously, I, would, uh, I had a board on the wall in my office and I'd write all kinds of things before they came in and some even after, and then we were done with the meeting I love this. I don't know why. I would take this liquid fluid eraser stuff. I would spray the board all down, and I would feel such an accomplishment when you couldn't see any of what I had just written on this board. You couldn't even get a, uh, an idea of what was on there. Why? It's like mowing the lawn. It just feels good, right? You fix something. Our mind is not like that. Get this, what you think about, you do. And what you do, you become. Did you get that? What you think about, you do. And what you do, you become. You say, Pastor Dan, that's not very filled with grace. But it's a reality. If you let enough stuff that's garbage, be in your mind, you will need do-over after do-over after do-over. How much better to, to stop it immediately. You're not responsible for every thought that comes into your mind that's ungodly, but you are responsible. I am responsible for what I do with it. Jesus was tempted. He never sinned. He wasn't responsible for what the enemy brought into in front of him. But he was responsible from the moment it was brought to his attention in his mind, presented to him. Sometimes over the years, I'll have something I'm struggling with. And I'll say to my wife, Kristen, I have this thing in the back of my mind 
that the enemy just keeps working over. And I haven't done anything wrong. Sometimes it's even in the area of purity or mental purity. I haven't done anything wrong. I have not uh, sinned in any way. But this thing is back there and the enemy is trying to use it. And I need to expose that thought to someone who loves me that will pray for me because sin thrives in privacy. So if you keep your thoughts that are ungodly private and you think about it long enough, you will take action and you will become what you've taken action on. That's why Proverbs is so strong about certain things and, and because it's telling us how to live. Don't think this way. Don't do that. But following God, take this action. But I'm so thankful we don't have to be slaves to any of this stuff. Paul said, be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. The battle is in your mind. If we can get our mind under control, and I'm not talking about think happy thoughts here, right? I'm not, I'm not talking about just, oh, God bless, everything's great. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about genuinely letting God change the patterns of your thought life. That's powerful. That will change your history. You will have so many Less or fewer times when you have to come to someone in brokenness and say, I've done this against you, or God, I've just got, walked totally away from you in this area. Thank you as I confess my sin and, and my regret that you forgive me, but oh, dear God, literally, I'm not using that as slang. Dear God, help me not to do this again. When you lay your head down on the pillow at night, you won't have to have those thoughts. You won't have a separate life. You'll have a unified life by controlling your thoughts. And so God renews us in those ways. And I want to talk to you just for a minute about a few things that will help you control your thoughts and renew your mind and not need to have so many do-overs in your life. The first one is this, guard your thoughts. Proverbs 4, 23. Guard your thoughts, your heart, your mind. Because so much flows out of your thoughts, as we already said. If you think that you can be loose with what you allow to roll around in your mind, you will not live in spiritual victory. And if you're not living in spiritual victory, how will you pass spiritual victory on to the next generation? Because it's not something we just talk about. It's something we have to live. Do you know most of what the next generation catches or gets from us is not what we teach them? It's what we let them catch. And if we're not living in that place in our own mind, 
we won't teach them how to do it either. How much better never to allow our minds to go to those broken places. No one who ever cheats on their wife does it on the spur of the moment. Do you hear me? It never happens. If you have a problem like that in your marriage, you have already allowed yourself to be thinking about all of those things privately probably hundreds of times before you ever allow yourself permission to take action. What if way back at the beginning... Before any of that ever started, what if the first time it came to your mind, you said, God, forgive me, not for what I've done, but for what I've been holding on to in my mind. That's why I like to, to confess anything I'm dealing with like that to my wife. How much better if you got it out of there right away and said, Lord, I'm surrendered to you. I'm giving all of this to you. I don't want any private thoughts that would cause me to do something that I'll terribly regret. Second thing is this. Destroy every proud thought. 2 Corinthians 10.5, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. By doing this, we capture the rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. That's powerful stuff. Do you know you have the power to forgive? You don't have to go through life and get to the end of your life and having a mother, sister, brother, husband, whatever it is, getting ready to die or they do die and you're filled with all of these regrets because you took captive your thoughts early on. And you never let the relationship become destroyed. I can tell you that's freeing. When my mom said, Dan, I need you to do something. I need you to tell the boys and your dad that it's my time to go. She was in the hospital. And they're not going to want to hear it. And I sat there in that room with her that night. And I said, Mom, it feels weird because I, you know, it should feel like we're talking about all kinds of meaningful stuff. But praise God, we don't have anything that needs to be said. That is powerful. I took a video and said, Boys, Mom's going home. And she thuck. Stuck her thumb up, not thuck her thumb. She uh, stuck, <laughs> stuck her thumb up and smiled at the camera. Nothing needs to be said. We live our theology. Our relationships are good because of Christ. Because everybody kept their thought life and didn't what it should be and didn't take offense. Take captive your thoughts. Do you know what people deal with as it relates to forgiveness? Well, I just can't forgive. I just can't. You know, it, the thought comes to me all the time. Well, who in the world believes that we should be in con controlled by our thought life all the time? I would be in jail right now. 
I'm being dead serious. When I was younger and struggling, if I did the things that came to my mind, I would be in jail. Maybe you've been there. Maybe it's not that bad. I don't know. But to me, the perception of that is terrible. You don't have to harbor bitterness towards someone. That's an issue of your mind and heart. That has less to do with what they did that harmed you than what it does, than what it has to do with your heart and mind. Oh, it's quiet. Until that, it was pretty quiet. Can you imagine what the enemy must have been saying to Jesus as he was going through all he went through? And what did he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What if when you wanted to harbor bitterness, you said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they've done to me. And you left it in God's hands. That's having a healthy thought life that leads to a healthy spiritual life. You don't get to the end of their days or yours saying, God, I wish. Third thing and finally, think about things of heaven. Colossians 3.2 says this. Think about things of heaven or higher things, not things of on earth and you say pastor Dan that's that's pretty flowery language what would that look like well how about this philippians 4 and now dear brothers and sisters one final thing fix your thoughts on what is true honorable right pure lovely and admirable think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise that's what it is to think about higher things, things of heaven. How many f less times would we be begging God for a do-over if we just kept our mind in that verse? Man, that's powerful stuff. It will revolutionize the way you live. As I close, I just would like to mention 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says this. There's so much hope in this. If you say, Pastor Dan, 2019 has been a disaster for me, and I realize here sitting here this morning that some of it is because of where I have let my mind go. And I haven't done these things, and I feel hopeless. There's always hope. Philippians 2.13 says this. And I wish I could clap, but uh, can't be using my left arm much right now, but I would be because my heart rejoices over this. The word of God continues to work in you who believe. The word of God continues to work in you who believe. So if you will just get in his word, if you'll follow these tips and, and, and you control your thought life and you think about what's good and honorable, and upstanding and, and righteous and all of these things. If you say, God, help me do that. The word is alive and it will start to take place in your heart. Because it's changing in your mind. 
You're letting go of a bunch of crud. You're letting go of all that. Not because you're so powerful, but God is transforming your mind. Because you're looking in the right book. The problem is, we can quote every verse about purity. We can quote every verse about forgiveness. We can quote every verse about not quarreling. We can quote all of these verses. But then we allow our minds to go there. Can I just say, the Word of God is working in those who believe. Just let it work on you. You're not going to be perfect. It's going to take time. But let it work on you. Let it transform you. I was talking to this friend yesterday as he's talking about all that Jesus has done for him. and He's heading out to his shop to drink a bourbon. And I'm not saying there's, you know, you can't have anything to drink. But usually if you're drinking much bourbon, you're going to cross the line. Okay. So he's talking to me about all Jesus has done in his life. And, and he has done incredible things. And he's using some pretty colorful language while he's saying it. I said, I got a question for you. The Word of God is leading you to change. Are you going to hold anything back from God in 2020? He said, no way. If God puts it on my heart through His Word, I'm getting rid of it. I said, that's great. You're going in the right direction. You're going to have fewer times where you want to redo you know what one of my next calls is going to be? Uh, yeah, you fathead. You knew exactly what God was going to say to me. You used that illustration. I used a particular illustration. You used that because you knew God was going to use your words to lead me to search the word and figure it out. Yeah, I did. You caught me. Not because I want to control anybody. Because I want to see their lives changed. That's what we're about at Life Church. Life change. We're after life change. And that starts for some of us. Maybe you're here today and, and you have yet to come to faith in Jesus Christ. That's where your change begins. Some of us here have been Christ followers or believed in Jesus Christ for our personal salvation for years. We're still letting the enemy control our thinking. We're saved. But you're going to be saying, Dear God, why did I do that? You're not letting the Word work in your life. I do a lot of my Bible reading on my phone. I want to get AirPods so I can listen while I'm, I'm driving. Just listen to going through the scriptures. If you will honestly listen or read his word faithfully through 2020, and I'm preaching about redo next year or something similar you'll be like thank you Lord I caught it last year God will transform you 
when you, when, when you put your face in this book or, or read on your Bible app, now I'm being serious. God will talk to you sitting at your table doing your devotions in ways He may not talk to you in service. See, here's where we're encouraged and challenged and, and uh, go as a group and have the dynamic of worship together. You want me to tell you something? You are changed when you are in His Word as an individual. I can't give you what you need to have 2020 be a success in your life. I can only lead you to the guy, to the one who will transform you if you read his word. I promise you, if you're not right now, start, it will save you all kinds of trouble and regrets. God will begin to bring freedom in your life that's it's powerful, it's dynamic. And once it starts to happen, like this other gentleman I referred to, once it starts to happen, he told me yesterday, once you're going in the right direction and you get a taste of what God changes in your life, you can't wait to get more because it's all healthy and positive. I just encourage you, wherever you are, your answer is found in transformation that comes from time in this book. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your grace that gives us an opportunity for redo in our lives. And I thank you that you have enough grace to forgive all of the mistakes that we make. And I, I'm not talking about foolish living. I'm not talking about not caring. Just the imperfections of our lives, the sinful things that happen in our lives. And we ultimately come to regret, but how much more life-giving would our experience with you, our family, our job, all of those things be if we let you renew our thinking through your word. I pray for people today, God, who feel there is no hope for them to change. That's not coming from God because you are here to transform us to let our feet and our minds stand on the rock, not be tossed back and forth by everything that happens in the world, but for our mind to be fixed on you. You have this plan, God, for us to mature in our faith in Christ. And it begins in our mind. We surrender our minds to you to your work, to your will, to your ways in 2020. Bless you, God. Thank you. Thank you. Well, before we...